does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. It's brought to you by Indiana Donor Network. Busy Saturday night, football and basketball, the topics. It's a pretty good way to spend a Saturday night, quite frankly. The man who has all the information you're going to need throughout the weekend and more, it's the star of our show. It's Network Indiana's Eddie Garrison. Thank you, Coach Level. It's a pleasure to be with you and Nathaniel Finch tonight on what was a very busy day of college football across the state of Indiana. Let's start at the Division One level. The Indiana Hoosiers, today, they needed to start their journey of winning three consecutive games after last week to maintain the possibility of bowl eligibility, and they were not able to do so. They fall in overtime to Illinois, 48-45. to Donovan McCulley had himself a day for the Hoosiers, 11 receptions, 137 yards, and two receiving touchdowns. Not enough, though. Indiana now 3-7. and seven. Illinois, one win away from becoming bull eligible. And West Lafayette, the Purdue Boilermakers, put an end to that four-game losing streak by stopping the Minnesota Golden Gophers 49-30. Devin Maccabee has been pretty quiet this year, broke out in a big way today for Ryan Walters. 153 yards on the ground, Hudson Card. Three passing touchdowns. The Boilers are three and seven. The Golden Gophers are even at five and five. Coming up later, some history was made today in the Monon Bell game between DePaul and Wabash. We'll have that later. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Eddie Garrison. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Bob Lovell. This is Indiana Sports Talk, brought to you by Indiana Donor Network. Eddie Garrison talked about the Monon Bell game, history made. Let's get right to it. Let's not wait. Greg Rakestraw from the IFC Sports Network had the call of the 129th meeting of these two teams, DePaul 33-30 winners. Greg Rakestraw, thanks to the call. What was historic other than the fact that these guys are really, really good? Well, it was the first overtime game, Bob, in the history of the event. And obviously, this is playing number 129 to refresh the memory of the younger generation. Before 1996, we did not have overtime in college football. So there are nine ties in the history of this game, the last one coming back in 1980. So let's say in the last 27 playings, none of these games have gone to overtime. And one was not enough. It took two overtimes. And, uh, again, the, 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 the turn of events, which is seemingly fittingly for, fitting for this rivalry in overtimes one and two, was absolutely remarkable. I was uh, watching it on my phone. How about that? I have decided to join the 21st century. And I thank goodness. Here's a plug for you guys. I'm there with my ISC app, clicking on that bad boy, watching the game. How am I doing for you right now? I appreciate that, sir. Thank you very much. I'll always take take status as Bob's second favorite network by Network Indiana. I'm good with that. It is. You were great as usual. I thought it was. I thought it was well done. I mean, the production guys, you guys, you know this. I don't have to tell you. Others, others need to know this. IFC is really, really, really good at what they do, and. Um, 
Uh, this is not a shameless uh, shameless plea for work. I have a schedule with you coming up yeah, in, you de- in December, so I'm 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 okay. I don't need to grovel for more work. I'm happy with what I do. But I thought it was really really good, and it was a great. I mean, it was a fun fun game to watch. I'm sure you guys had fun because it's just a fantastic game. Correct, and and, and honestly, not necessarily in terms of who won. But the fact that this was a one-score game the entire way right, was right. exactly what we thought it would be. You know, two years ago, DePaul gets up 21 nothing, and we're kind of saying, oh, geez, we're not sure about this, and Wabash wins 42-35. Last year, it was a similar lead for DePaul, and you kept kind of waiting, hey, look what happened last year, and that never happened. DePaul won 49-14. I thought this would be a one-score game in either direction, and that's exactly how it played out. DePaul takes the opening kickoff and scores for the third consecutive year that we have had this game. Difference is Wabash answered them this time. Mm-hmm. They were thinking, okay, it might be the first team to get a stop in the game. And, and it was pretty explosive <laughs> in the first half, 21-17. Defense mm-hmm. is really settled in in half number two. To put it in perspective, the job that Wabash did today, DePaul had allowed 416 yards rushing all season in nine games. Right. Wabash ran for 310 yards today, and DePaul still found a way to win the game. Again, I know that there are 129 different chapters of this rivalry. It's the 13th most played game in the history of college football in any division. But there are some things that this one that will truly make it unique and memorable for generations of, of you know, families, friends, students right. of these two schools for years to come. Well, it's unique and memorable, obviously, because of the rivalry and and the reasons you just mentioned. But it was also a a game in which there were some postseason implications. You know, you got a DePaul team that comes in undefeated, leading in their conference. They need a W to lock themselves up in conference play in the NCAC and make sure they're in the tournament. Correct. And so the way it works in in Division III, um, there are 32 teams that make the postseason. There are more or less 28 automatic qualifiers. And for as good as good as DePaul has been, typically the NCAC is not a league that gets automatic bids. The Wisconsin Intercollegiate Athletic Conference usually gets a bid or two. The OAC, the other Ohio-based Division III league, usually gets a couple of bids. There just aren't that many that are available. So DePaul knew they had no margin for error, that their first loss of the season is likely their only loss of the season. So the second year in a row that this has been a winner-take-all game, the remarkable thing is that's the only time that it's happened. Now, in the mm. 50 years of Division Three football, mm-hmm. these guys have only been in the same league for about half that time, you know, whether it was right. the right. old ICAC, the old Heartland Conference before that, or, or now being in the NCAC. But to think about how good these programs have been historically. Bob Wabash has the fifth most wins in, of any Division three school. DePaul is 20th. For this to be the second time it's been a winner-take-all game, and it's been back-to-back mm. years, that is mind-boggling to me. Yeah. All right, I need you to hang on if you can. For this short I break, we'll come back, and you're gonna you're gonna take me through two overtimes and tell me how Wabash and uh, DePaul ended with DePaul winning by three. Greg Rigstraw and I will come back in just a few seconds, spend more time talking about high school football, and we also find out 
talk about the Colts. They got a little matchup coming up tomorrow across the pond, so to speak. We'll be Welcome back, everybody. I'm Bob Lovell. This is Indiana Sports Talk, brought to you by Indiana Donor Network. Greg Rakestraw from the ISC Sports Network, the best at what he does on the call of the Monon Bell game, 129th meeting of Wabash and DePaul, 33-30 win by DePaul in double overtime. All right, Greg, how was it in the regulation? How do we get into this overtime situation? So we get into overtime, and this is not in the last few minutes, but this is on the last score of the game. Wabash had taken uh, a 27-27 lead. um, Or sorry, that's like Harvard-Yale. 27-27 time. We're kicking the extra point to go up 28-27 was DePaul, and the extra point was blocked. We're tied at 27. Both teams have a couple of possessions but end without points. Wabash converted a fourth and one at their own 26 late in the game, but did not turn that into points at the end. So simply at regulation, it's 27-27 all. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wabash wins the coin toss for overtime. So they like to go on defense first. Ball goes to the 25-yard line. The H-back, the backup tight end for DePauw, Will Castor, he starts to move to block as the ball is snapped. The ball ricochets mm. off of him. Jake Pash <laughs> recovers for Wabash. Right. So Paul puts up a zero in the first overtime. And you're thinking, oh, no, this great game is going to end on just a weird play and a bad break. Wabash mm-hmm. runs the ball twice for nine yards. Third and one. They put the ball in the hands of their quarterback, Liam Thompson, who finishes 61 yards shy of Jake Nutt as the all-time leading passer in the history of Wabash College. His pass for his leading receiver and the all-time receiving yards leader at Wabash in Cooper Sullivan misses wide right. So Wabash brings their kicker out, who's already made two field goals in the game, for what would be a 33-yard field goal. Right. Ethan Lowry blocks it. Both teams get zero (laughs) points in the opening overtime. Man, oh, man. we, We switch ends of the field. Wabash gets the ball first. They are stopped after picking up really just a couple of yards on three plays. Rucker, mm-hmm. who just had his kick blocked, makes his third field goal today and his longest of the season from 41 yards out. It's 30-27, to 27, Wabash. DePaul gets the ball mm-hmm. the 25-yard line. They pick up a first down on the very next play. Who catches the winning touchdown pass? The kid that had to snap ricochet off him and Will Caster from Pendleton mm-hmm. Heights, who had caught two passes all season he catches that ball for a touchdown he had one touchdown during the regular season DePaul swarms the field they maintain possession of the bell and they win 33 30 in the first overtime game in the history of the Monon Bell Club wow wow is all I can say I mean I have a degree in English and I'm I'm reduced to one word (laughs) Uh, and I, you've had a chance to do a number of games. This has to be at or near the top of fun experiences for you. Yeah, and, and the thing is, Bob, I have been a part of three of these now, and obviously I've been around this game for a quarter of a century. Mm-hmm. But but it has been our responsibility on ISC, and, and I use the word stewards, you know, of this game. It's sure, our job to present sure. it so people. Are, I, I got a text from somebody watching in South Africa uh, yeah. you know, today, which which is amazing. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. But I think about this. We have seen a 21 nothing comeback to a 42-35 win. 
We had the mm-hmm. snow non-bell game last year. Uh, four or five <laughs> inches of snow in Greencastle. Mm-hmm. First significant snowfall in that game in 25 years. And now I get the first overtime game in the history of the rivalry. I can't wait for 364 days to see what our fourth chapter is going to look like next November. Wow. All right. All right. Colts uh, are coming up. they got a game. You okay to go one more segment, or do you need to run? As you can tell, tell it's me. just me and Jack chilling here in the basement, buddy. I'll hang with you for one more break. All right. All right. We'll come back and talk about the Colts, if you don't mind. Greg Rickster and I will be back after the scoreboard update with Eddie Garrison on Indiana Sports Talk. With this Indiana Sports Talk scoreboard updates, I'm Eddie Garrison. Let's recap some college football scores from around the state. The University of Indianapolis Greyhounds captured their ninth Great Lakes Valley Conference Championship since the league was formed in 2012. After defeating Southwest Baptist 41-3, UND 9-1, they'll find out their fate in terms of where they rank in the Division II NCAA football tournaments tomorrow at 5 o'clock Eastern. Elsewhere, as you heard from Greg Rakestraw, recapping DePaul winning the Monon Bell 33-30 over Wabash in double overtime. We'll get to more about that a little bit later. In terms of the Manchester Spartans today, they defeated Anderson 37-7. Anderson will finish the season winless 0-10. Manchester, their last week to get it done, and they did with that 37-7 win. Eric James, the quarterback for the Spartans, had 125 yards passing and three passing touchdowns. What a way for Manchester to conclude their season. Rolls-Holman, on the other hand, did not go well for them in their season finale. They lose to Mountain St. Joseph 68-20. to Rolls-Holman will finish, finish the year 7-3 and 6-1 and in conference. Mountain St. Joseph had a good year, on the other hand, 9-1 and undefeated in conference play at 7-0. and Indiana Wesleyan uh, took on Concordia of Michigan, and they suffered their only loss of the year. They finished the year 9-1 and after falling on the road 21 to 10 and the Marion Knights their seventh ranked in NAIA finished the year nine and one after defeating Siena Heights 24 to 14 for Network Indiana Sports I'm Eddie Garrison whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits long live listening to your favorites learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you Welcome back, everybody. I'm Bob Lovell. This is Indiana Sports Talk. Greg Rakestraw is still with us. I know many of you wish he was with you more than I'm with you, and and I don't blame you. I'd have that feeling, too. Colts taking on – Colts are in Germany as we speak, right? And uh, what time does this thing start tomorrow, Greg? Uh, At T-minus 11 hours and 42 minutes, sir. Oof. Yikes. So I mean they, they they've had they've had all of their uh, sleep experts nutritionists they've had everybody sign figure out what's the best thing to when to leave how much sleep to get you know they've gone through all of the science about traveling from the U.S. to Europe to get ready in anticipation of this game 
and now they're just going to have to settle down and, and play a Patriots team that's uh, not that good. Patriots team that is struggling. It's still Bill Belichick right. on the other sideline. It is still the leader of the evil empire that is over there. Um, and, if you, and if you think right. back to 53 weeks ago, Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots embarrassed the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah. That was Sam Ellinger's yeah. second start. That was the last game for Frank Reich as the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. So I know the Patriots are not what they have been. That's still perhaps the best coach to ever do it in the National Football League that is on the opposite sideline. So, frankly, I would expect almost a similar game plan to what we saw last week from the Colts, and it was run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and make enough plays in the passing game and hope that your defense can be proactive, force some turnovers, get you some short fields, steal you some points. I don't sure. If, I'm not sure if we're going to see two pick sixes for the Colts tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It'd, it'd be nice, um, but but let me remind people of the last time the Colts beat the Patriots. It was two years ago. It was the middle of December of 2021. The Indianapolis Colts won that game despite having 41 yards passing. It was Jonathan Taylor left and Jonathan Taylor right and Jonathan right. Taylor to the house right. and waving bye-bye to the Patriots on his way and doing it. So I would expect a heavy dose of numbers 28 and 21 tomorrow for the Indianapolis Colts. Having said that, uh, the Patriots also anticipate that same game plan. And so, you know, the question is which team is going to be able to impose their collective will in terms of what they want to do. I mean, it's a pretty simple thing. Colts want to run. Patriots don't want them to run. Who's going to be successful? It's kind of like checkers and chess, so to speak, as a coach. Correct. Uh, And again, I I think – if you ask Gardner Minshew to make a handful of plays or if he can keep it in the short passing game, right? I think the Colts certainly have a shot. And again, it, it's, it, this sounds amazingly mundane. It's not. If you win the turnover battle, you are more than likely going to win the game. Mm-hmm. We obviously mm-hmm. saw that last week. I mean, again, the Colts won despite having 198 yards of total offense. That is paltry for a National Football League team. Um, right. They've had they've had other games where they've scored 38 points and lost because they could not take care of the football. Bill Belichick teams are notorious for turning you over. So we can talk about the running game all we want to. And again, I think that's how the Colts will try to establish right. and, right. and 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 will do their best to, to maintain that as long as they can. But we have seen this year this is the ultimate team of if you limit mistakes. The Indianapolis Colts have a chance to beat anybody. And if they make too many, they can be beaten by anybody. And one of those anybody's at 2-7 and seven is the New England Patriots. Yeah, that's what would scare me is you're playing a team that's 2-7, and seven, and at some point desperation has to creep into the game plan. And everybody has to you – know, you're literally playing for your professional career. Uh, you, everyone needs to step it up. And that be, creates this sense of urgency. I wouldn't say it's lacking right now. They've probably had a sense of urgency for the last three or four weeks. But it has to be there in, in a, a game against a, a, an opponent like Indianapolis who's still trying to find their way along. So I think this is, makes this a very intriguing game for a number of reasons. I think this is a New England defense that's pretty solid. I think it's a New England offense that is pretty lackluster. Um, I, mm-hmm. I just think there is a ceiling as to, as to what they can do. So if you are, you know, 
expecting a high-scoring football game tomorrow, go and wait till right. 1 o'clock. I, I, I just don't see that happening. And again, last year when New England embarrassed the Colts, it wasn't like their offense did anything great. They were getting three points off of their defense. That's how they won that game. So mm-hmm. a desperate team, certainly. Um, I kind of think the playoff die has been cast against the New England Patriots at this point, one of the you know just couple, three teams in in the AFC that know they don't have a playoff shot at this point. Right. Um, and so, you know, we'll see what their level of motivation is. Uh, but I think if the Colts can get off on a good start and can avoid turnovers, then they got a good shot to win this one tomorrow. Greg Rakestraw, part of the uh, Colts broadcasting network, does the calling. You working? You can be uh, taking you on your calling show tomorrow. Yes, that is correct. Uh, so I will be on from twelve thirty to two thirty on the network, and then two thirty to three thirty on ninety three five and one zero seven five the fan. Right. So I will be opposite the busy one o'clock window of the national. Yeah. So we may have a few more scoreboard updates yeah. on the show that we normally would, given the time frame that Sorry. we're on tomorrow. I got about a minute and a half here. Our guys won. IUPUI yep. beat Valpo at Valpo last night. What a great win for the Jags. It is. And and I believe I have not had – I've been a little busy, as you know, the last couple of days. Right. I have not had time to research this. I believe that is IUPUI's first win against an in-state Division One foe since December of 19. I will go I back right. and, and do the math and check on that. Again, no, it is an indication right. of the kind of the, yeah. the, the, the level of struggle that IUPUI has had. And let's face it, Monday was a great day one. There are some things that are a bit concerning uh, against Spalding on Monday. And Valpo is yeah. a team that is completely rebuilding. But road win, in-state foe, and how about this, Bob? First 2-0 and start for the Jaguars in 14 years. Great Yikes. night last night at the Ark for Matt Crenshaw and company. Outstanding. I did want to bring that up. I'm so happy. I'm happy for them. I'm happy for Matt and, and everybody. Greg, thanks for doing this. Give Jack a hug for me. And uh, have fun tomorrow. Thanks so much. You got it, Coach. We'll talk soon. Thanks so much. Greg Rakestraw, Colts taking on the Patriots tomorrow. We'll talk about it a little bit later. Top of the hour scoreboard update coming up. This is Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk.